1: I want to welcome you today to Journey Church and uh, just remind you of some things coming up. We've got in just a couple of weeks the fall kickoff. This is going to be a wonderful event. We have not ever done a service in the park before where the entire church gathers together. I know that uh, many of you are normal second service attenders, and you may not know the people that attend first service and vice versa. It's going to be a wonderful day to gather everybody together. We're going to have baptisms that day if you've never been baptized, but you are a believer in Jesus and you're ready to be baptized, or maybe you're ready to make that declaration of faith. We want to encourage you to get baptized. It's going to be a wonderful day in the park just in a couple of weeks. And then we have a lot of stuff kicking off in the next couple of weeks or after that, after the fall kickoff, we have several groups that are starting. Make sure you get plugged in. There's more than just Sunday morning, it's really needing to get plugged into groups and get plugged into the community of, uh, of faith and the community of believers uh, here. And so I would encourage you to do that. If you have a Bible, turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 1. The message today is called The Blessed Life, and uh, this is just something that came out of devotion time. I often will do devotions, and as I'm doing devotions, the Lord will just really put something on my heart, and I'll make a note of that, and maybe want to come back and preach that someday. So this is not a part of a series. This is just a part of... uh of my own devotions, kind of a standalone message. We're going to talk today about the blessed life. Let's pray as we begin, and then let's get into Psalm chapter 1 today. Father, help us to hear from you, to give glory and honor to you, to hear from you today. Be our speaker, be our teacher, be present in our lives. Lord, there are some today that need an encouraging word from you. There are some that need challenge today. Maybe they need to feel a sense of conviction. Lord, there are some in this place that are just not happy, and they need to find what true happiness is. And so, Lord, show us those things today. Uh, We want to hear from you. We want you to receive the honor and the we want to lift up the name of Jesus so that you will draw all people to yourself. Father, as we face a world that is challenging and tough and chaotic, give us the strength to stand firmly with you and in you and face whatever comes our way. We thank you for this time now. Teach us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this idea of the blessed life really, again, comes out of Psalm chapter one. We're going we're gonna to turn to Psalm one here in just a moment, we're going to begin to look at that. But let me ask the question, how many of you want to be happy? Now, now, you don't have to raise your hands. I'm not asking for a participation here, but just think about the question for you. How many want to be happy? Well, I think the answer to that would be everybody. Everybody has a deep down desire wanting to find happiness in life. The real question is, how many of you are happy? How many have found that true sense of happiness and you feel happy? What exactly is the secret to happiness? Uh, we have different opinions and different views of the secret of happiness. Some people believe by having more money, that is what's going to make me happy. Other people believe that if my my spouse would just shape up, uh, then I would be happy and then life would be great. And uh, maybe there's some truth to that in some senses, but... That's what they think, if my spouse would just shape up, or if I could get a different spouse, a new spouse, somebody that uh, I was more compatible with. Some people believe if I could just get a new job, a better job, change jobs, then I would be happy. Others think that if I could just have health, if I was healthy, then I would feel happy. The fact of the matter is none of these things really satisfy the deepest craving of the human heart. Blaise Pascal, who was a scientist, said these words. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Happiness is not an external thing. It's not dependent upon my circumstances. Happiness is an internal thing dependent upon my heart and where I in, am in life. And that's what brings us to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. And so we're going to read through this, and I'm going to stop and just try to break down the text a little bit for us here today as we read through this. And we're going to look at three things that the writer of Psalms tells us about how we can truly be happy. So let's start. Start here, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Happy is the one. I want you to stop right there and I want you to note these words and these phrases. Note the word happy. Happy is the one. The word in Hebrew is also the word blessed. So blessed is the one. Happy is the one. The blessing and the happiness is not an external thing, though, according to the definition of the word. The word happiness is not based upon happenings. Happiness, according to the word in Hebrew, is a state of internal being. It is being internally happy despite the difficulties difficulties and the the really disappointments of life. It's amazing to me how people can be happy in the midst of troubling situations. You could have a crisis going on in your life, you could have a problem that you're facing, yet you still can have the ability to feel happy. Paul and Silas in the New Testament were beaten And then thrown in jail, and in the middle of the night, as they were beaten and thrown into jail, they sang songs of praise and hymns to the Lord. They had a worship service in jail after they had just gone through a a horrific thing. They found an ability to have the internal reality of happiness despite the external things going on. All of the disciples in Acts chapter 5 were beaten and then brought before the Jewish courts. As they were brought before the Jewish courts, they were eventually released. And when they were released, they went away rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer for the Lord. And they found a sense of happiness. Despite tragedy and crisis and chaos going on in their lives. There's something about this happiness that we need to understand. Where does this really come from? How can I be happy? What is the source of happiness in my life? Let's keep going. It says this. It says that happiness or happy is the one. The one. Who is the one? Well, the one is this. It is the one who has not walked "...has not walked in the advice of the wicked, nor stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers." So the one who is happy is one who has made a conscious decision that I will not walk under the advice of the wicked. I will not stand in the way of sinners, and I will not sit in the seat of scoffers." When you make that decision, all of a sudden happiness becomes something that can actually be a reality in my life. It goes on to say this, but, but his delight, notice the word delight, where happiness comes from, happiness comes from the delight of God. His delight is in the Torah of Adonai. What is the Torah of Adonai? That's a Hebrew phrase, and it just means the law of God. Now, at this time, it was the only the New Testament. They had the law of God, but we know when Jesus came that he wrote his law on our hearts. So you could say it this way, but his delight is in the reality of God through Jesus in our lives today. And on his Torah, on his law, on the law written on the heart, on Jesus, He meditates day and night. So where does happiness come from? From making a conscious decision that I will not walk the way of the wicked. I will not stand in a sinful way and I will not sit in the seat of scoffers. Where does unhappiness come from? Well, it comes from doing the exact opposite. When I am the most miserable in my life, I can take a step back and look and see I have not been following the Lord, been obedient to the Lord. I have been doing things that are not right according to him, and it produces an unhappiness in my life. Keep going. He, he, who is the he? Well, the he is the one, the one who is delighting in God. He will be like a planted tree over streams of water producing its fruit during its season its leaf never never droops but in all he does he succeeds the one who delights in the lord who does not walk in the way of the wicked the one who is finding happiness from god is like a planted tree that has roots that run deep that grow up tall and strong and is able to survive when a drought or hardship or hard times or storm comes into our lives I want you to know that as our world falls more and more apart and it's becoming more and more chaotic and you're hearing more and more things that are anti-God, you're going to have to have roots that run deep if you hope to stand against the storms that come. And so if you want to find true happiness... True happiness has roots that run deep, producing fruit, not standing in the way of sinners, not walking that path, but instead following with the Lord. Now the wicked are not so. The wicked are not like that. They're like chaff that blows that the wind blows away. They're not firmly secure. They're not rooted deeply. They're doing things that are anti God and they're going to be blown away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand during the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Adonai, the Lord, knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So how do I find happiness? What is true happiness according to God? Well, here's my paraphrase, the, the EY, the Aaron Young's paraphrase. Here's what I would say of that first verse. Happy is the one who watches where they walk, watches where they stand, and watches where they sit. And if you do that and put your delight in the Lord, you will experience true internal happiness despite the circumstances in your life. Today what I want us to look at is three things. I want us to look at being careful where you walk, being careful where you stand, and I want us to look today at being careful where you sit. Let's start with the very first one. Be careful where you walk. Being careful where you walk. The verse says this: Happy is the one who has not walked in the advice. When you think of walking, what comes to mind? Well, the idea of walking is, uh, you think of a path. You may think of a wonderful, smooth path, a path through a park or something like that. Do you ever think of the walk of life kind of looking like this? Did you know that that is one of the most dangerous paths in all of the world? Kind of crazy to think of, uh, of walking a path like that, but sometimes the path of God can be a difficult path. Are you willing to walk the path that he calls you to walk and not not walk the way of the world? Jesus says there's two kinds of paths: there's a narrow path that leads to life, and very few people choose to follow that path. And then there's a wide path that leads to destruction, and most of society is on that path. Which path are you on? Are you walking the way of God or are you walking the way of the world? How are you leading your family? Are you walking in a way that your kids are following along in your footsteps that are going to be meaningful? Or are you walking in a way that you're leading your family to destruction? How are you walking out your life? Now, the word walk is the word that means this in Hebrew. It means to go, to proceed, to move, to live, to traverse, to have a manner of life. So what walking is, is how you're living out your life. Are you living your life according to the way of the world, or are you living your life according to the way of God? Now, he goes on to say, happy is the one who has not walked in the advice. Now, I want you to notice that word. Notice the word advice. Happy is the one who has not walked. That's the living out of life in the advice of the wicked. Happy is the one who's not walked in the advice of the wicked. What is advice? The advice means the counsel, advice, or purpose. Here's another way to say that. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful with who you choose to listen to in life. People have influence over you. You may not know it. You may think, well, I'm not influenced by anything, but we all are. We are all influenced. If you watch YouTube, you have certain things, channels that you like to watch. They're called influencers. And they're called influencers for a reason because they have influence over you. Based, They'll have an impact upon what you buy, what you think, what you say, what you believe. You're being influenced. Be careful with who you listen to. It's always amazed, amazed me in my life over my 20 plus years of ministry, 25 I think now. During that time of ministry, I have run into people who are having marital difficulties. And it's always amazing if it's, let's say it's, it's, it's a wife who feels hurt and she's having marital difficulties, and and she thinks she's thinking about divorce, and so who does she surround herself with for advice on whether or not she should get a divorce? Well, it's typically other divorced women or other divorced people, because that's who they're getting the advice from. It's not necessarily godly advice, it's advice that's justification advice. It can happen for the guy as well. The guy is getting advice from friends, it's not godly advice, it's advice who's justifying the decisions that they make. Don't listen to the advice of anybody, listen to the advice of God. When you're listening to pastors and podcasts and reading books, make sure that these are people who are rightly rightly defining and rightly dividing the word of God. Be careful who you listen to. Do you know that Paul warns about this? In Romans chapter 1, Paul is writing about uh, about the world. He's writing about the chaos of the world. And he says this, of people in the world. He says these people are filled with all unrighteousness. They're filled with wickedness, with greed, with evil. They're full of envy. They're full of murder. They're full of strife and deceit and malice. The people of the world, they're, look at it, they're gossips, slanderers. They're, notice this word, they're God haters. That's the world. And that's who we're getting our our advice from? Turn to some news stations. Why am I listening to what they say? They're God haters. Why am I listening to what a politician says who is a God hater? They're God haters, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. They're foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, because everybody's heard it, that those who practice such things deserve death, they not only do them, but notice this, look, look what it says. But they also approve of others who practice the same. So sin loves company. If I'm doing something sinful, I don't want anybody to tell me I'm doing wrong. I want the ones who are doing the same thing to come around me and pat me on the back and say, what you're doing is excellent. We want to have company in our sin. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you're going to. Be careful of the advice of the wicked. Do not not walk that path. Instead, walk the narrow path that is God's calling. So that's the first piece of advice to be happy. You want to be happy, be careful who you're listening to. Because who you're listening to will directly impact your ability to process and do and live and be happy in life. Number two, be careful where you stand. Be careful where you stand. Not just where you walk, be careful where you stand. Happy is the one. Who has not stood in the way of sinners? Jennifer and I, my wife, uh, about four years ago. We went on a trip to Ireland. We took two weeks, and we uh, flew in to Dublin. We rented a car. We drove around uh, half of the country, and we saw some incredible sights. It was so much fun, uh, a trip that I would highly recommend. The best thing, I think, for your marriage, guys, husbands and wives, is go away, just the two of you. Leave the kids at home. They'll survive. Just do what the, you, know, you do with the dogs. Just put some food out, and they're going to be okay. Get away, and just focus on the two of you. Because when you do that, it grows your marriage strong. We did that. We went away, got, went to Ireland, and we were on the west side of the country, and we went to the famous Cliffs of Moher. And it looks like Moor, but it's mohair, actually. Uh, we went to these cliffs, and they're incredibly high. Just straight down, sheer cliffs. Everywhere we went around those cliffs, there were these signs posted. And the signs looked like that. Uh, Just don't go too close because you're going to fall in. It made me realize, though, that that's how we approach sin so often. We try to get as close to the edge as we possibly can without going over. How far can I get to the edge without falling to my death? I don't know if you've seen this phenomenon or read of this phenomenon, but it's it's a selfie phenomenon. And the selfie phenomenon is this, that people are trying to get to the edge of the cliff. Now, have you heard? There are people that have actually died taking selfies because they get so close to the edge. We try to get to the edge of life, the edge of sin. And when we do so, we are putting ourselves in a position where it's likely that we can fall. The right question is not how close can I get to sin without falling over the edge. The better question is how close can I stay to God and not ever worry about that. If God is over here, I need to stand here next to God. I don't need to come over here and stand at the edge and say, I'm better than the world. I haven't fallen over. Stand next to God. Be careful where you stand. Now, the word stand, the word stood, blessed is the one happy is the one who has not stood it means to take one stand be in a standing attitude stand forth hold one's ground happy is the one who stands so what does that mean it means to be careful with your standards instead of being as close as you possibly can have the standard i'm going to stand as close to god as i can and i don't have to worry about the rest and if you do that that will produce in your life happiness My son Austin and I, we went to my grandson Luke's soccer game yesterday. He's six years old and he's playing on the little rec league soccer team and it's so much fun to go watch him. And the little groups of kids, they just all in a bunch in a herd, follow the ball around everywhere. It is so cute to watch. And so he and I are sitting there watching my little grandson and I bring a couple of folding chairs and I have my chair set out and then his chair is set right next to me and I put my arm on the back of his chair chair and I and then I rub I start rubbing his neck and he's a 16 year old boy and he says don't touch me (laughs) okay and I say I own you I will touch you if I want to touch you (laughs) and then in maturity that only comes from being in a man in his 50s and a pastor of a church I took my hands and I put them as close to him as I could I said I'm not touching you I'm not touching you (laughs) And it was real mature, <laughs> but I had fun with it. See, see, standing on the edge is getting as close as you can without touching. And that's not what God's saying. He's saying, be careful where you're taking your stand. Be careful what you're standing next to. Some of you have maybe a relationship going on that is on the verge of being inappropriate. And you're standing next to the line. And God is saying, you better back up because you're standing on the edge of a cliff and you're about to fall over. Some of you, some business decisions you're making, some job related decisions, things that you're watching, attitudes that you're having, and God is maybe warning, you're on the edge, back up, come over to me, stand next to me, take your stand where you need to be. That's the second piece of advice. Paul, in Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, he says these words. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you're able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers against the worldly forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist when the times are evil. After and after you have done everything, notice, stand firm. Stand firm then. God wants us to be careful where we stand. So number one, first piece of advice to be happy, be careful where you walk. Number two, be careful where you stand. Number three, be careful where you sit. Here's what the verse says. Happy is the one who has not sat in the seat of scoffers. What does it mean to sit in the seat of scoffers? The word sat is the word which means to remain, occupy, or dwell. Scoffers is the word that means to mock, scorn, deride, talk arrogantly or boast. Be careful where you're choosing to sit and who you're choosing to sit with, who is speaking into your life that you're listening to and you're sitting with because their attitude will rub off on you. When I was doing this and kind of thinking through this message, sometimes, and this happens to me, is I'll have pictures and images that will come to my mind uh, that are related to the message. And my first thought when I thought of sitting in the seat of scoffers was when I was a kid, it was from the Muppets TV show, and it was the picture of Statler and Waldorf. I don't know if you remember them. Anybody old enough to remember the Muppets? You know, kids, do you even know what that is, Muppets? Statler and Waldorf, what did they do? They sat in the balcony, and they mocked, and they derided, and they were arrogant, and they were full of pride at whomever was performing. And sometimes we can fall into that attitude where our attitude is not a blessing, it's a curse. Where it's not beneficial, it's harmful and hurtful. It's not helping to build up, it's destroying and tearing down. Paul in Ephesians 4 talks about that very fact when he talks about people are to build one another up rather than tear one another down. Speak words that are going to give grace to those who hear and build them up. We are called to be grace givers, not block terror downers. One of the things that comes to this is just the attitude of pride. And that's what happens when you sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you know that pride is what God hates? God hates an attitude of pride. He expects an attitude of humility. Do you know what humility is? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Does that make sense? You don't have to tear yourself down and think you're garbage. That's not humility. That's thinking less of yourself. Don't think of less of yourself. You are a treasure to God. God values you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Instead, think of yourself less. Wouldn't that help in every situation, in every marriage, in every job, if we just thought of ourselves less? So what is this whole thing about? It's being careful with your attitude. Being careful with your attitude. Ephesians 2, Paul says this, you were, you were, so, so notice this, you were is a, it's past tense. It's not who you are today, it's who you were. You were dead In your trespasses and sins. At that time you walked. Remember we have looked at this idea of walk. Don't walk the way of sinners. Don't walk this path. You walked in the way of the world. In the conformity to the ruler of the domain of the air. The ruler of the spirit. Who is now operating in the sons of disobedience. We too all lived among them. So we too all. Meaning we all did this. No one is free from this. We all lived this path. We all lived in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. By nature, we were children of wrath. What does that mean? We were children of wrath. That means we were destined for God's punishment. That's who we were. That's what our life was like. But God was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Messiah. By grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Jesus. To show in the coming ages the measureless richness of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one will boast for we are his workmanship created in Messiah Jesus for good deeds, which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. That's about your attitude. How do you walk? You walk with the attitude of Christ. And so that is the key. How do you want to, how, how, how can you be happy in life? How can you have a blessed life? By being careful where you walk, being careful who you listen to. By being careful where you stand, being careful with the standards that you have, by being careful with with where you sit, which is being careful with your attitude. What do we do instead? Simple verse, and we'll close with this. But his delight is in the law of God, the Torah of Adonai. But his, who's the his? It's the one who willingly says, I will not walk, I will not stand, and I will not sit the way that the world does. Instead, I will delight. I will find my joy in life, in God. In the Torah, the law of God, now the law of God written on our hearts, fulfilled in Jesus himself. This is where I will find my joy. It is where I will find my happiness. And on his law, it will become part of me because I will meditate day and night on who God is. If you want to have a blessed life, if you want to have, have a happy life, the secret to happiness, it's not through a, a, accumulating more stuff. It's not through having more money. It's not through a job change. It is the internal reality of a heart changed and standards made that I will not walk, I will not stand, and I will not sit in anything that hurts the heart of my God. Do you have that kind of joy, that kind of happiness, and that kind of attitude as you go through life? Maybe for you today, this is a challenge because maybe some of you have been walking, listening to the advice and counsel of people that should not be giving it to you, who you should not be listening to. Maybe it's a challenge for others because you have been standing on the cliff and you are making some decisions right on the edge and you are close to just falling over. Maybe others, you have been sitting with a horrific attitude, and that attitude is affecting everybody. And so maybe today God is just saying, change how you walk, change how you stand, and change the attitude that you're sitting with. Let's pray as we wrap this up today. Father God. I am so grateful that we have had the privilege to open your word and that you can show us what real happiness is and where real happiness comes from. You can show us what it means to have true joy in life. Father, I pray for those in this room who have been walking in and listening to the advice of the ungodly, the unscriptural, the unworthy. I pray, Father, that you would speak to their hearts and that they would listen to your voice, not the voice of the world. I pray for those who are standing on the edge of the cliff and maybe they're about to fall over and they need to be careful with where they're choosing to stand and the things that they're standing for, because the things that they're standing for are anti-God, And I pray for those, Lord, that are sitting with a horrible attitude. That that attitude has got to change because it's tearing everybody apart. It's destroying their family, their work. It's destroying them from the inside out. And so, Lord, I pray for them today that in confession they would come to you and say, God, change my attitude, change my standards, change my walk, and help me to walk in a manner worthy of you, following you with all of my heart. Thank you for meeting with us today, Lord, as we leave this place. Help us to go in your grace to be the church in this community. Lord, help us to bring honor and glory to you as your representatives in this world. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank so much for checking out that message from Journey Church.
0: We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys. And thanks for listening to this message.